Hi guys, welcome to episode 3 of the For Foot's Sake podcast. On this pod we talk about our opinions on gameplay, as well as advice on tactics and formations. We also review the first three months of the game, and talk about what we want to see from EA for the rest of the FIFA cycle. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Okay guys, again we've got three new guests on the podcast today. Going to start with our first one here, Big Willow. Big Willow, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on, mate. Thank you for having me on. Again, Willow, uh... like we always do with our first-time guests, we kind of want to get your kind of your first kind of steps into FIFA. For you, how long have you really been playing FIFA? I started FIFA back in, I think it was it was it FIFA '98 World Cup and Pez. I was yeah. Me and my mates were all Pez. It all started with Pez, um, way 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 back in the day. Um, and then obviously it came through, um, started with Ultimate Team uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and to be fair, it stopped, it's, it's probably sort of, it was busy and exciting to start with, sort of FIFA 18, 19, 20, and then 21 is just obviously, we are where we are. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, like I said, it's one of them, I think. There's a lot of people who maybe started on the team again in the early days, like FIFA 11, FIFA 12. Again, I know myself, again, I started fairly late, but I think it's one of those things, again, like I said, I'm, I mean, I haven't, I haven't played FIFA as long as you have, um, obviously, but again, it's one of them. I think on the team, again, you either start early or once you get into it, but it's one of those things that as soon as you start it, you kind of, you're addicted. And it's one of those things that's tough. Um, so moving on to kind of the content creation side, what kind of brought you into starting to create content and what kind of, what made you want to do it? So it basically started at the start of COVID, basically. Uh, I was in a position where I was working from home. Um, I've got a pretty decent setup as it was as it, as it was for work because of the work that I do. Um, so I was quite fortunate in that respect. So it was quite an easy transition, quite extroverted, probably some would say quite a loud mouth. So it's quite an easy task to be able to really start talking just you know essentially talking to yourself when you start streaming um not ventured into the youtube side um but like i say the twitch side yeah you're just shouting at shouting at pixels aren't you basically yeah no it's one of them i think it's i know for me as well especially in around COVID time i think a lot of people as well start streaming around then uh are we going to see a return of big willow streams soon so We've spoke about it before. Obviously, my work at the moment has just stepped up massively uh, since I took this new job, stepping into a director position, managing three officers across the UK. It's just made it a little bit more difficult. And I can't obviously turn around and say, no, I can't be at that meeting or no, I can't do this design piece of work uh, for clients. Um, when I've got you know, adoring fans like you, beautiful lot, sat there waiting for me to go live on on Twitch. So it's a li- it's you know it, it's a balance. Um, I'm hoping that our initiatives next year, pushing to get a work life balance, will allow us to do that. So basically, it it will be will, will it will we see him for definite? Is that a yes then? I want to. I even thought about doing it over Christmas just as a flashback. Right, perfect, perfect. Again, we're going to move on to our next guest now. Okay, next guest is Howling to North. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thanks for having us on as well. Really appreciate it. No worries. Again, same question for you. Kind of, when did you get started with FIFA? Oh, showing me age now. Uh, probably started playing FIFA from the beginning. What the first game was? What 93? I think was the the, the first. 
Um, but not Ultimate Team. So I didn't actually find Ultimate Team until 18 is when I started. Um, hadn't even heard of Ultimate Team at all. So I'd played FIFA very casually, like career mode, stuff like that. And then literally, um, I was heavily into me Call of Duty, funnily enough. Um, and I got chatting to one of the guys that I played uh, Zombies with quite regularly. And he started telling us all about Ultimate Team. Um, this was around the back end of 17. Um, and then literally, I, I tried my hand at it in, in 18 for the first time. So that was when I kind of found foot. Um, but yeah, in general, played FIFA for years. <clears throat> um, but not obviously com- as competitively as you do in, in, in foot champs. Um, so yeah, I would say that was when I first first kind of got into it years and years ago but yeah relatively relatively new to foot to be fair no that's like i said and again as far as the kind of content creation side as well what kind of brought you into that and how long you've been doing that for yeah so i think i'm similar to a lot of people um so obviously i knew a lot of people who who streamed and, and content created um and i actually entered a fifa tournament um where one of the requirements was to broadcast your games um so i broadcast it through me ps4 um originally and obviously there was a lot of interest um and it kind of gave us a taste for it if i'm honest obviously a lot of people tuned in um got the final of the tournament which helped um and then got lost the final admittedly um but yeah and and that kind of got us into it so when i when i kind of got that that taste obviously with covid happening um holidays being cancelled we had a bit of spare money lying around so kind of cautiously approached the wife and said uh hmm no that money that we've got lying around fancy letting us spend it on a pc um so yeah never built a pc in my life um obviously had a, had a little bit of help in and guidance in terms of what to order how much etc etc instead because obviously i'd have just gone mad um so yeah had a, had a bit of help from a few friends that i already knew kind of on the scene um so yeah, that's that's how I kind of kind of got into it. Uh, how did you find the kind of PC build? I know for my input, I did one about a month ago. It was not. It was a nightmare. I think I think I held the motherboard um, with more care than I did my firstborn child. If I'm being honest, um, I was actually scared to put things together. Um, and then <laughs> I remember I remember FaceTime and one of the, one of the lads um, and speaking to him, and I was like. He was like, mate, honestly, just snap things in. You'll feel it snap, and it's actually meant to do that. Um, so, yeah, honestly, but, yeah, I was absolutely bricking it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay. And our last guest today is Sierra. Sierra, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how you doing? You good? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Again, Sierra, good. same thing for you here. Kind of how long have you been involved with FIFA, and how do you get started with the content creation side of things? So with FIFA, uh, like um, Howland, I'm showing my age. I've played it since the very beginning. I think it was international soccer. Off a quick Google there while the other guys were chatting. Yeah, back on back in the day on the Mega Drive, and then in terms of Ultimate Team, I played it since the very beginning when it was a foot founder. Um, obviously, not quite as much as I do now, but I, I, I was back in the day when it was 40 games. I was I was one of them grinding 40 games a weekend. God knows how I did that. Now looking back, but but that's what I did. Yeah, those those days of 40, 40 games a weekend, they were an absolute nightmare. And I really don't miss that at all. I do not miss that at all. Um, Sierra, again, so, so from, apart from that line, with the content creation side of things, what brought you into doing that? So in terms of the content creations, I started with streaming. Um, me and another um, guy who streamed called Boo, I know some of you guys know him. We played FIFA generally every night, playing all the team, 
you know, losing it with each other, like shouting about the game and stuff. So it was like, you know what, why don't we stream it? Because it'd be quite funny if we both stream at the same time. And we started for the first kind of like year streaming at the same time as a bit of a bit of a duel. And it kind of went on from there. And then I started doing YouTube, started playing a bit competitively last year. And it's it's grown from there until kind of this year, which which we'll get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm sure. But again, guys, obviously those are our three guests. Today we are going to do primarily will be about gameplay. We'll also move on to kind of a quick review of FIFA so far and obviously looking ahead to the rest of the year. But again, to, to start with, guys, we're going to go over the state of gameplay so far. Again, the three guests in the podcast I know have all got fairly. They all they also kind of share some the same similar opinion about the game so far. But we're going to start with Willow again. Willow, what what are you making of gameplay currently and obviously leading up to now from the start of FIFA? Is this an explicit podcast? <laughs> you're, you're allowed to you're allowed to swear if you feel like it's justified. It's shit. There's there's no there's no hiding it. Um, it's I, I sort of look look at where it's currently at and go. It's targeting a casual market, a sort of teenage kid who can go and put their five, ten, fifteen quid pocket money a week on there, spend the FIFA points, forget about it, get rewarded through rewards for finishing silver one, gold three, uh, gold three by getting a decent red pick every now and again. Um, and the whole game just seems to be catering more towards the casual scene than it does the competitive scene. Yeah, no, I, I, like, I basically, I get that at all. I mean, it's, I think, what would you say, how would you try and combat that though, really? I know there's kind of been more suggestions about possibly two different sides to on the team, whether it be like a, a pro area and maybe a, a casual area. What would kind of, what would you think would help? I look back at FIFA and go, if you weren't controlling your defender when an attacker was running past you, you would look like an absolute sausage because that attacker would just run straight past you and score a goal. Now, if you don't control your defender and you're just running around with your CDM, you're rewarded. It's as simple as that. There's, there's no other way to sort of fluff it up or anything else. It is as critical as that. Do as little with your defence and it will maintain its structure. It'll maintain its position. It'll block. It'll tackle. It'll contain you don't really need to do a great deal at all. Yeah, I think, like you said, basically, I think it suits the casuals again. I know, I think, for me, at least for me, earlier on, I thought early on in the game, gameplay was at a good point, kind of, the first couple of weeks. I did enjoy it more, um, not just because I did get elite in the first week in league, and after that, I've not hit elite again. But again, it's one of them that I think with additional patches, it kind of, it does change the game a lot, which is, which, which is definitely tough. Agreed. Agreed. Completely agree. And it was very much that view of getting onto the game the first day and not being able to defend. And I I think I was probably in someone's stream and I said, I've just been absolutely battered in my first game of Ultimate Team. Because I didn't get the beat I didn't get the beta or anything else. Played it for the first day and went, I got battered. But I loved it. And the reason why I loved it was because you had to actually control your players. Right, we'll move on to Howland here. Howland, what's kind of your been your take on FIFA so far this year? By gameplay, by the way, can I just say, do we mean servers or do we mean mechanics? We'll we'll stay with mechanics again. I think everyone knows. Oh, yeah. well, no, everyone knows about the servers. That's that's <laughs> fine. No, that's it's absolutely fine. I just want to clarify. Um, and I, I mean, without any arrogance as well, this is coming from somebody like I said who's played Ultimate Team only since eighteen, but I did get verified this year. 
And the best way I can put it is a tweet that I put out the weekend I got verified. I got verified. I should have been absolutely ecstatic, over the moon, about to start competing. And you can go back and look through my tweets. My tweet was, I got verified, great, but the game is still boring. And I think there's a few things that contribute with that. I, I agree with some of what Willow has just said there. It is, they, have, they are very much catering to the casual market. Um, considering this has an esports scene where, you know, players, you've got professional players um, who are competing for, for money prizes, titles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it is, it's, it's turning into a bit of a, a, a cash cow. And the issue with what the bigger issues that I see with, with FIFA 21 is that it's, it's, there's always been a meta. There's a meta with every game. Yeah, you play COD, there's a meta. Um, you know, you play FIFA, there's a meta. The issue this year is there's too many aspects of meta. So whether you talk about through walls, step overs, um, you know, and I agree with Willow, they've, they keep nerfing attacking AI, but strengthening defensive AI, and there's no balance within the game whatsoever. Um, and that's causing a, a real issue and obviously, there's there's lots of theories around um, DDA and scripting. Um, and for me, in FIFA 21, it is the clearest it's ever been. You can feel it in game. You can see it in game. You can almost call it before it happens. And I know the likes of Willow or Sierra have, have been in some of my streams. And you can literally call it before it's about to happen you can feel it um and, and one of the best examples of that and obviously i'll not name names i played a very high level player in weekend league um and i was in discord with sierra at the time um beat him 5-2 got him to quit early from about 65 in-game minutes play the next game got in dialogue with the guy via playstation messages um to the point where I was 4-1 down. Luckily, I came back and won 7-4, um, but it was a gold player. But yeah, I just beat somebody 5-2, who's accomplished, verified, top 200 player, going to the next game, and I'm 4-1 down in 30 in-games against somebody that finishes gold. No disrespect to anybody that finishes gold, by the way. No disrespect. None taken. But... It's clear that there is something within the code and within the game that appeals to casual players, that helps them, that wants to give them the euphoria of a win against somebody who has a, a pro team or a elite team, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, yeah, so it's, it's disappointing to a degree. Um, I get why they've got to keep an engagement with the game. They've got to keep people spending money, um, buying packs. I, I get all that. But also, if you're going to have a competitive mode and a ladder system, you've got to let it be a competitive mode where you are laddered based on your ability in the game, not how much a, an AI system can help you, I suppose. Yeah, no, I, I get that 100%. I think I saw over the weekend, I think it was the... At least in in the North America, there was a the New York Rebels pro player. Uh, I think he ended up getting twenty twenty eight and two possibly. But I think one of the games he lost was to a guy who was a gold three player. And again, I think 
obviously there is outliers like that. But again, you see these pro players again. That New York Red Bulls player, I played against him in Division Rivals the other week. I think he beat me 6-0. I don't think I had one shot the whole game. The guy was insane. So some of these that you kind of think, how the hell is a, a goal three player even got close to uh, to beating a guy like that? And the the again, like you said, the only real answer to that is that something within the game allows for a player like that to stay in the game. And it, and it shouldn't be like that. Like I said, I get that they're, they're at least doing this so casual players do want to keep playing the game again. If you're a kid who gets battered six, seven, nil every single game, you won't play the game. You won't put money on the game to get a team better. And then you'll fade away from the game. I think it's one of them is that I think we've seen over the years, and I said you guys have been playing on the team for the past couple of years now. They are begin, they are getting more money every single year. And is that because the skill gap is kind of getting lower and lower and lower and more people are staying within the game and that want to play the game? So it definitely is a tough one. Um, again, we'll move on to Sierra. Sierra, have you got anything more to add about this? Um, very similar, um, kind of different experiences in terms of from in FIFA 20, I, got, I, I literally went all in. Um, that was the year where I, I kind of got really competitive with it, really into it. I played at E-Prem, I did the E-Lions, uh, I was getting Elite One quite often. And I was I really looking forward to kind of this year stepping up and, you know, getting Elite One really early. I played the better. I know, like, I, I, I don't know if Howland did. Um, I know Willow didn't, and I was one of the advocates of the better, saying how good this is and room for a real treat, because at the time, it was a bit similar to when it first released, in terms of there was a lack of AI assistance, it was very skill-based, if you couldn't defend, you, you were getting beat, um, but even the, the better was even better, sorry about the pun, but it was, the skill gap in that was huge compared to the actual game that came out, so I... People saying how big the skill gap was when it first came out of the defending, it was even bigger in the in the better, in my opinion, which was fantastic. Like the, the R button dribbling was unbelievable. It was too good, but the, when the game came out, they completely took it away. So that was one thing I noticed straight away, which kind of worried me. Um, and again, first week, I was enjoying it, much like Willow said. Really, really loved it. I was like, you know, you know, not quite as big of a gap as it was in the, in the better stage, but it was enough, you know, enough to have that skill gap so you can enjoy it, you can be competitive. You know, every side people can probably play the game. You know, casuals will want to get better and learn how to defend. And the people who are in the pro scene will have that skill gap and they will be able to destroy someone who, like I said, really shouldn't be able to compete with them. Um, but like I said, it's just the week one patch every year. The week one patch is what does it. And that's the disappointing thing. It's it's almost as if, and I know I'll spot howling about this, the, they do it so in E-Access in week one, they get everybody to buy it. Then once everyone's bought it, they release a patch, which then, like you said, goes to the casual market, which is probably 98, probably even 99% of their audience. And that is essentially is their audience. They've got the people who are hardcore's already bought it because they thought it was like it was going to be like it is in week one. And then they've obviously casuals have bought it anyway. And they bring the patch out, sell packs, and they're happy. In terms of the pro scene, I know you mentioned this talk about having two modes. One thing I saw in Formula One, they have that they have like a pro area within their competitive scene and they have the, the the normal kind of weekend league you know rivals and things like that which i totally agree i think that is the only solution is to have your rivals you have your foot champions and then if you get to a certain level you unlock the pro mode and that's where the best of the best go in and you know it goes back to the, the less ai assistance and that kind of stuff but we shall see what they do over the next year i guess yeah that i think i like what you added on, on there as well i think I know, again, playing the F1 myself is that there is obviously AI assistance in there. 
it would be interesting to see if there was kind of a way to, like I said, have two modes within FIFA. Maybe if in the pro mode, the AI system is kind of brought way down. And then on the normal mode, it kind of it stayed level. I think, that, again, that could be a really interesting addition, especially to like a weekend league, maybe. Because again, we see all these pro players going 30-0. I think this year, more than any year as well, there's, again, they've made it top 200. There's at least probably close to 100 guys every weekend going 30-0. Again, if they did make it into like a pro -like side of it, then definitely they would have kind of, I wouldn't say they'd have more fun. They'd have more challenging games. But again, for the guys who want to be casual and again, aren't kind of too fussed about weekend league too much, there is obviously a mode for them to play as well. I said, it, I think it is tough. Again, you've got a lot of guys who, the pro players are these guys, people are watching, kind of are giving their opinion on the game and people listen to their opinions on the game. Uh, like, like all of us can say is that people ask us, how, what do you think of the game? And again, you give your opinions to them. And it, it's very tough, I think for maybe the the bigger streamers out there and guys like that who kind of more content related they haven't got too many bad things to say about the game sometimes but at least from a lot like what you guys have said in the pro players as well is that the game does need to be changed and it's just again it i said they're a business they're trying to cater to a wide audience and it it's tough for them to do so but what we're going to do, we're going to have a first little break here. We'll be right back after the break. We're going to go through kind of, I know we've been kind of breaking the game a little bit, but we're going to go through some advice and kind of how to get better at the game and kind of tactics and stuff that we've used so far. So we'll be right back. Okay, guys, welcome back from the break. Okay, so now we're going to go over kind of what we've thought has been good as far as formations, tactics, players you've liked as well. This time I'm going to start with Sierra. Sierra, kind of what has worked for you so far this year? Um, so this is probably one positive this year on the game is there's a lot more formations that are usable. You know, you can you can kind of play the way you want to play. You've got, you know, the 4 2 one which, which is, is always meta every year and still is, but you've also got obviously the 4 4 2 It's very powerful now. You've got people like Mr. Albury who's using the, the free at the back and a few people in the competitive scene using it as well. So that, that probably is a plus that this year you can kind of play how you want to play in terms of your setup and how you play in game. I go between the 4-4-2 and the 4-2-3-1 personally. And I find that this year game management within games and reacting to what your opponent's doing is, is probably one of the biggest changes this year in terms of formations and, and the way you play. Whereas last year you could go into the 4-2-3-1, use it pretty much every game and, and you know, it, it, and, and win and not have any issues and change. Whereas this year you do need to kind of adjust to what your opponent's doing and, and react, which is something I do like. As far as the formations in game, what would you say? Kind of yours more attacking formation. Do you have do you have different setups throughout the game then? So I I like see I I, I play Howard a lot, so he knows what I play a lot. But I, I like to press. I like to get the ball back quick. I'm I, obviously the yeah, eye defending being so powerful works completely against me because it's just not in my instincts to just let the computer defend to me. So I play seven depth. I have seven depth on play high up um, in both my four four two and my four two three one. I like to win the ball back early and then press them and then attack. So I'm quite aggressive. Um, I have tried playing lower this year. Um, last year I could do it. This year, just it just doesn't work for me. Um, I'm, I'm terrible at AI defending, which again is counterproductive for <laughs> kind of this year, but it is what it is. That's how I play and you know, it's working for me with seven depth. Yeah, I've definitely found that team press, especially, I mean, I don't, for me personally, I've switched to four for two more. I don't think I'm playing on about five depth right now, but again, I found that, especially if you lose a ball up high, switching on team press straight away, is a, is a great way to win, win the ball back quickly. Have you 
you said from the start were you kind of did you start with a 4-2-3-1 and then kind of move into a 4-4-2 what was your kind of start within FIFA this year yeah, I started with 4-2-3-1, um, just carrying on from, from FIFA last year uh, and from the better as well. I know that obviously it's it's such a balanced formation. It's a great starting point for anybody kind of new to the game or anybody who's trying to find out what works for them. You go into 4 2 one gives you the best of all worlds. It's great defensively. You've got lots of attacking options. You can play high up, you can play deep, you can play a drop back. You know, it's, it's that formation that gives you everything. And then from there, you can kind of start experimenting with like 4-4-2, which is a lot more kind of counter-attacking, aggressive kind of through ball mechanics. And obviously free, free at the back, which is, again, a fully counter-attacking counter kind of formation and really aggressive. So I just find it's the best starting point, really, if you are looking to kind of figure out what works for you and where you want to go and use it as a base. Have you tried three at the back yourself this year or not? I've not, no, no. It's something that does interest me, um, but I kind of just... Because I've, I've not, I've not played. I'm, I'm about 700 games, which may sound a lot, but for me, it's it's probably half where I was last year. So I've not really played enough games to kind of go into any of the formations apart from kind of what you're seeing in the pro scene, like four four two and four two three one. Really, yeah, I think I think that you're moving on to a part there as well. It's I think a lot of people again look at pro players and they think, well, this guy's playing a four four two or a four two three one, and then everyone switches that formation. I think last year, like like touched on, everyone played a four two three one. I know myself as well. I've moved to a four-four-two, the second variation with two CDMs, and I am seeing a lot of guys playing the exact same formation. Yep. And it, it always goes with those kind of trends as well. We'll move on to kind of players you've enjoyed using. Is there any? I mean, I know you've got the kind of the meta players. Is there anyone that you kind of been surprised by this FIFA? Um, probably the one standout player because he's 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 kind of meta, but not. He's it's either kind of really like him or you don't. It's probably been Felix for me. I got his red pick, team of the week. Really, really enjoyed using it. He's, you know, he's he's probably middle to top tier, I'd say, in terms of obviously his five star skills and his, his, his high rating. And then I got his the player of the month. I've done that, and for me at Cam and at Strike and four four two, because I've used him that much. I, I I just really enjoy using him as a cat. I really enjoy using, but I know a lot of high level players and pro players kind of say he's not it and, and I kind of get that but because I've used him so long since getting his red pick and using this one I've just kind of come accustomed to him he's kind of like part of the furniture now in my team <laughs> he's, he's got to be in there <laughs> no I, I can definitely agree with that for me I've, I've done the Felix play of the month card and uh, the five star four so he just works so well I think the only issue oh. that I think people are kind of put off with that card might be that he hasn't got 90 pace and I think that's what, pe what pe a lot of people look for but I, I can definitely agree with that and I think Felix is a, is a top tier card we're going to move on to Howland here. Howland, are you, are you kind of the same thing? Have you been using 442, 423 one this year? Yeah, so I, I I agree with what Sierra's just said, to be fair. I think one positive that's come out of this year is that you can use multiple formations. Um, everyone knows 4231. I, I still think it's the most balanced formation. I think it's the best formation to use if you're very competitive. Um, I recently I played in a in a tournament last week for the probably one of my first competitive tournaments, if I'm honest. Um, and I quickly realized that 4422 was not the formation. Uh, if I'm honest, I was getting picked off and ripped to pieces. And as soon as I switched to 4231, <clears throat> it was a lot more balanced and a lot more solid. But in terms of champs, I think, um, in terms of the champs mode, there is a lot more formations you can use. And, and if you look, obviously, I monitor the game a lot. Um, and I monitor what my opponent's doing. I and mean, I've found that my opponents this year are switching formation a lot throughout the game. 
a lot of it is obviously coming from watching different streamers, but a lot of people are switching between the 4-4-2, the 4-2-3-1, 4-2-4. Um, I did have one guy switch to three at the back and come down from 3-0 and get the 3-3 three, three, um, within the last 10 minutes of a game. So it's obviously effective, but I agree. I think um, you do have to switch it is nice that you can switch between formations and switch it up depending on how you play. For me, um, the 4-4-2 and the 4-2-3-1 are still the most effective formations um, in the game. Um, I mean, I switch it up between, I play a 4-2-3-1-2 as an ultra-defensive, 4-4-2-2 as a go-to or a switch. Um, 4-2-3-1 is now my starting formation again. Um, and I use a 4-3-1-2 as, as an ultra-attacking. Um, but I do enjoy that you are having to adapt this year. But I still feel that FIFA, with the engine it uses, is still built in a way that will always suit those. If, if you've got meta mechanics, if you like, there's meta formations. Um, and obviously the two most commonly used formations you'll see will be Four four two and four two three one. Yeah, like like I said, like you touched on, there is there is always going to be a meta to to every FIFA. And again, as far as formations go, I know, like I said, it's good this year. There's kind of a few more you can play, but it still comes back to the point is that there's still probably one two. Like basically, there's pretty a, a maximum to say about about yeah. three formations that most people use in game anyway. Um, have you kind of yourself moved on to like a three at the back at any point at all or not? I haven't. Um, A lot of people have played it against us. And like I said, it seems to be very effective. I haven't, I haven't ventured that way. And the only reason is, is obviously I mentioned that game there, which was a bit of a one-off where a guy really, you know, if I'm honest, put us to the sword, I ended up winning the game. Um, But I think as I've grown with FIFA 21, I've found very much how easy it is to pick holes in those sorts of formations, particularly if you're using the meta formations. So I believe it can make you weaker. Obviously, it is very, can I use the word skill dependent with FIFA? I don't know. Um, But, you know, if Sierra mentioned it there, if you're a player like Mr. Aubrey, who's clearly a very good FIFA player um, and can adapt and use that formation to his strengths, then I think that changes it. But you touched on it. I think if you're watching a lot of streams and you're watching a lot of pro gameplay or high-level gameplay, if you like, it's easy to think, well, that's working for them, that's going to work for me. But actually, it's the reverse. A very good player, you know, you're using a formation against a very good player that doesn't suit you. That player will adapt to you, pick holes in you, and and, and obviously eventually beat you is the way it should happen. Um but, you know, I, I don't want to stray away from it. I think it, it is a positive this year. I mean, Sierra will, uh, will tell you because I've had more experience of speaking with Sierra about different tactics and stuff like that. Um, I think this year really has been adapting to tactics and really finding out what works for you as opposed to just going, I know, and obviously I support content that YouTubers put out and stuff like that. But instead of just watching a YouTube video and going, oh, that, and sorry for dropping names, that Godzaloni is 30, you know, you know, it doesn't mean that's going to get you 30, you know. Um, you know, yeah, you do really have to analyse how you play the game, what's working for you and adapt your tactics to, to how you play. Sierra said, you know, he plays a high line, seven depth, whereas with me, 
I base my game on I'm a lot harder to break down and I've had to work on the attacking side of my game. But I'm like Sierra, I, I really, I get punished for manually defending. I read a game of football, maybe it's my age, but I, I read what I see on the screen. And if I manually select a player, I get punished. And I had somebody messaging us in weekend league at the weekend. And it was that game where I was 4-1 down. I come back and won 7-4. And he said the bridge absolutely destroyed him with CR7. And I told him, he asked us how to defend it. And I said, you're not going to like what I'm going to say. Don't control your defender. Because <laughs> that's what he was doing. He was switching manually to his defender, which is the right thing to do. But because he was doing that, I was able to bridge past him with CR7 with ease and score. And if he just left the AI, like you would in squad battle, like if you try and do a bridge in squad battles, the AI will laugh at you. It will drop back. It will defend the ball and you can't get past it. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. It's really difficult for me with formations and tactics. And I've had to adapt this year with how strong the AI is because it's, it's so strong. Um, it's took a while to work out, you know, what, what suited me and what's best. I know you said earlier as well that you were you became verified this year. We how what was your best finish last FIFA? So last FIFA was twenty six. Uh, so twenty six and four. I didn't quite. I got there quite a few times. I didn't quite get to the elite one. Um, whereas this year, so I was elite all year um, in FIFA in FIFA twenty. Um, it was it was very seldom that I didn't hit elite. Um, and then this year, again, like Sierra, I was hungry to hit the ground running, get competitive, get some really good finishes early on. Um, so, yeah, it was it was 26 was my highest finish prior to this year. What do you think got you to that like next level, would you say, in your own words? Um, I, ca I can't say a team because I was using... Funnily enough, the weekend I got verified, I was using Standard Gold, Bruno, 85, Lozano... It wasn't early, early on. It was a, it was a good few weeks in after a few patches. Um, but I think a lot of it, and I mean, I played 28 games straight, by the way. Um, I was 2-0 and when I started, and I started at about half eight at night, and I didn't think I got done until about three in the morning. Me and Sierra were sat in a Discord, so he'll, he'll vouch for that. Um, but yeah, I, th I think in the main... It was mentality. Normally, I'd stream my games. I didn't stream, I'll be honest, um, because there was an adapting period to the game um, and because the game was so inconsistent, I decided not to stream Weekend League. I sat in Discord um, with Sierra and Boo um, I was with um, that night. And to be fair, it was quite funny because normally you'll like talk with each other, you'll talk through your games, you'll shout at each other down your mic, of course, um, and get your frustrations out. But that night, we kept going on mute when we were like, if we were in games, we'd mute each other and we'd concentrate. Um, and I, I think to be fair, it was just that mentality and focus of, um, I didn't get stressed that night. I was really focused in playing game after game, after game, after game, after game. And, and I think mentality, and I don't know if we'll go into it, but mentality is such an important part in this game. And it, it's so hard because I'll tell all my viewers, a lot of my viewers will say, how do you go from gold to elite? And the, the first thing you'll say is mentality, keeping your, your patience, not getting angry at the game. But it is so difficult. Yes, I think it's one of them. It's like I said, it's it's hard to kind of put, a, put your finger on one or two things that would get you there. And I think people use mentality sometimes like a buzzword. 
but also is that you, I think people have got to understand that kind of what comes with it really. Uh, when you when you lose a game, is there anything you do after a loss? Do you have a break, something like that, or not? Um, a lot of people tell us to take a break, but I actually like to go straight back into it. Um, I think a lot of people would say walk away. I, th- I think it depends what's happening. I think we've got to put it in perspective. If you get elite one, you've lost three games out of thirty. Um, I mean, I went twenty-seven and two. I had a I had a game spare. I, I think for me. It, and I mean, I know Willow's been a couple of me streams lately. You know, people will come in and say, oh, just take a break, man. You know, walk away. And it's, it's, you can say you play on tilt and stuff like that. But I think for me, I like to just get straight back at it and straight back into a game. And to be fair, the game kind of gives you that. I think sometimes the game gives you that drive on purpose to almost you go on tilt, you lose loads of games and you spoil your finish. Or actually you revert it the other way and you go, no, I'm not going to let this game beat us. This scripting, this DDA, this thing that, you know, they all say it doesn't exist, but does, you know, this this myth, the, you know, the mythical dragon. Um, I, I think for me, I get that other side of it and my determination is this game's not going to beat us. Um, I will get through it. And I think that night I did have that drive of, no, I don't care what I face, what's happening, I'm going to get through it. So I, th- I think it depends. If you've obviously... If you're not getting elite one and you're losing a lot of games and that's costing you, I don't know, gold one to gold three, elite three to gold one, then yes, I think you probably need to step away um, and, and take a break and and almost self-analyze and think about what you're doing. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't say at that level of breaks necessary. Yeah, I think I mean, basically your point there basically is that if you think that the gameplay is affecting your mentality, then obviously have the break. But again, if you can be calm when things don't go your way, then obviously you're in a you're in a good place to kind of keep on going. We'll move on here to to Willow finally. Willow, are you are you agreeing with the same kind of things in four four two, four two three, on those kind of the formations you've been using so far? So to start with, our well, basically as soon as I start in the game, that's it straight away. Four two three one. Um, just to understand how my opponent is is going to sort of mix it up and, and sort of approach the game. And very much like Howland said, it's almost just trying to understand what is going to be coming at you, what you're going to be facing going forward, etc. Just that first five minutes of the game, just let everything get settled um, and then sort of see how it goes. I've got a 4-2-3-1 that I use on defensive, but that's for my startup. I've got ultra defensive, which is my closeout, which is a four-two-three-one, but a closeout. And then I've also got my um, attacking one, which is actually different to what a lot of other people are using. So I'm actually running four-three-two-one, but it doesn't play like a four-three-two-one. Um, it plays very, it plays almost like a four-four-two, but allows overlapping um, allows allows the overlap for your defenders. Um, and basically keeps it keeps your what would be your right forward left forward pinched to the edge of the box and basically just allows the overlap of your left back right back but then what it also does is one of your stay back it puts both of your uh, midfielders on or two of your midfielders on stay back but puts one of them as drop between defenders so then it essentially plays like a three back so you've got six attacking You've got a six attack in front with a midfielder holding 
and then a CDM dropping between defenders and your two defenders. So it works quite nicely. So for example, the drop back, the drop back meta that we, we, we're seeing more and more of, the patient defending, the running, you know, i.e. running around with the CDM. I, I switch straight away to my attacking if I see that. And then I basically do no more than the same attack twice. So things like if I'm going down the right-hand side, I might go down the right-hand side and cut in. I'll only do right-hand side and cut in once more. And then I'll try right-hand side and come cutting off the edge um, and, and, and try and get the cutback pass, you know, the sweaty goal. Or worst case scenario is you've then got the flood of the six because you've got your left back, right back, really pinching on the box and the high press as well. If I go behind in a game, I've got a four triple two setup with constant pressure on seven um, seven depth, and I think since I've gone behind and switched to that tactic, I think I've only lost a handful of games. I tend to lose my games trying to close them out. So if I if I, I'm not a very good defender because I manually defend, I get done by the bridge every single time, like Howling's, Howling said, <laughs> because I switch to my defender and I try and defend. It's an absolute nightmare. But I absolutely love five-star skillers. So I will bomb down the wing, fake Rabona or fake stop shot and literally just, you know, La Croquetta in, off the edge, all those sorts of things, the, the usuals. But then if I'm really struggling to break a defender down, I run across the edge of the box and I'll try a Balassi flick. And I guarantee a defender on AI will tackle me and put me down for a penalty. So the, again, if you're really, really struggling, things like a Balassi flick just on, just on the inside edge of the box as you're coming towards the penalty spot can sometimes bring get you brought down for a penalty. It can be fine, you know, it can be fine margins if you simply can't break someone down because we've all been in them games where you sit at the edge of the box, you take a long shot and you've got six defenders with a leg 10 foot up in the air and you're just like, how is that? It's never going to go through. You know, you even you bring up, bring someone on. I had Rivaldo for a couple of weeks just because I was trying someone new. Brought Rivaldo on, looking for the long shots. You know, he's got an incredible left foot long shot but he would get it. He would get blocked all the time. So working with what, you know, like you said before, if they switch to manual defending, do the bridge. If they, if they're literally dropping off and they're letting you run past with AI blocks, I just, like I say, switch straight away, try the blasty flick, get taken down, go for the penalty, easy goal, and just go that way. If, if, if they're using the meta to, to, to do that, then like I say, I switch to the, switch to my attacking tactic, which is, the, the, the six front flood of the four, the four three two one, or the four triple two, constant pressure, high high press, just to suffocate them, um, and it, it it does work, but it obviously then it's highly it's highly risky, but like I say, because I'm a manual I manually defend all the time, I get caught out most of the time anyway, so you may you know you may as well try and just score more goals than they than they score on you. It's definitely one of those things, I think, like I said, um, trying to basically work out what works for you, really. I know you and Harlan have both said that you guys kind of adapt to how the other guy basically sets up. Question for both of you guys. How do you kind of, do you pause the game, go into the 
the player ratings of the formations, or do you kind of try and look on the on the field? I will. I'll look to see who who they're always passing to. So, for example, if they've got Neymar playing at Cam, is everything going through Neymar? Are they in a? Are they if they're in a four four two, but Neymar's dropping short? Then you can guarantee they're playing false nine Neymar, or you know it, something along those lines. And it's it's that thing of if everything is going through that central point, close up the center, force them out wide, squeeze it in a little bit more. You know it it is that exactly sort of picking up the key points, pausing. Okay. Sorry, sorry, mate. I think there's a tool that a lot of people take for granted and don't use, and that's the mini-map in the middle of the screen. If you use the mini-map in the middle, you can see how um, the opposition's formation is moving and how it's set up. Um, and that gives you an indication. doesn't necessarily confirm everything, obviously, given the hecticness of, of the game, the AI, and everything you're trying to do. But if you can give it a quick glance, um, it, it does give you an indication as to what's happening. Um, but in general, yeah, if like Willow's just touched on there, you know, when you see your opposition going through a certain player or even when you play the game so often, you can kind of tell which formation they're playing just of how they're actually approaching, attacking you. You can actually see. But if I'm not sure or I'm intrigued, then, and particularly if, if my opposition cues a pause, obviously you are you can bet the bottom dollar they either make a sub or the change in formation. Uh, so I think some of it's instinct. Some of it is you're kind of thinking, well, are you ahead? Are you getting beat? What's happening? It's like sometimes I can quite often tell when I'm playing somebody maybe of a lesser rank. Um, and if they take the lead, I know for a fact they're going drop back, come back on defence on everybody. Um some of it is instinct, but I think some of the tools at your disposal is obviously pausing, checking the formation tactics. But honestly, the mini map is a is a big one to look out for. Yeah, I would, I would echo that as well. I was I, exactly the same. I think the first thing I do is I look at the mini map after the first time the ball's gone out when it when it resets the formations, and, and exactly the same again. Instincts is you can, can generally. With experience you can see and and just by the and I think this year even more so because of the mechanics because of the free balls the one twos um you know you, you can tell what someone's 442 because straight away they can do they do the one twos with the strikers you can just see it like you can see it straight away and for, I think play styles is a big one like how's that instinct and I think Will touched on it you, you can see how they're playing and you can you, you just kind of know from that especially this year more than ever I'd say no I think that's definitely a great but I think I know, at least from my kind of own experiences, that I know um, Howland touched on uh, Zalonius's four four two, and that was one kind of formation that I did try out. I think he had one the the other week, and I think people do get caught up in the idea of that if a uh, certain guy's playing a certain formation, you want to copy that down to a T. And obviously, like Willow touched on there as well, is that kind of f- figure something out that works for you. Maybe kind of the formation that Tax and Willow was running then isn't what everyone uses, but again, it obviously works for him by the sounds of it. And again, like Howland and uh, Sierra touched on there as well. It's, again, if you can kind of look at the mini map, look at everything else that kind of will help you, do that. The mini map's there to help you. Again, you can pause the game, have a look at the formation in the uh, in-game menu and basically use whatever you can to, to give you that advantage in-game. But then moving on to kind of more content side of things. We are, again, we are 12 weeks into the game, three months in. We've also had so far, we've had, we've had plenty of promos again. We've had ones to watch, Warbreakers, Road to the Final, I know Black Friday. Black Friday is kind of a promo with those uh, those new record breaker cards. Team of the Group Stage Freeze, 
and obviously announced today that headliners will be coming into the game. From my kind of own opinion, I've not kind of minded the promos too far. I know maybe the players that they've put in these promos haven't been kind of top tier. And I think I know kind of they're trying to slow down the power curve to these like top tier players. But it's not kind of changed what we're seeing within weekend league teams. We'll start with Sierra this time again. Sierra, what, what have you made of the promo so far and the players have released? I think in terms of the content, the promotions, the graphics, like all that aspect of the game, like you've got a praise EA for that. They've done like a fantastic job. Um, you know, everything, the, the cards look fantastic, the designs, I think the promos are good, they're creative, you know, they're changing it every year. You know, you've got to give them the, the, the fair play for that. Objective players, there's plenty of them. You've got the silver stars, you've got very, very good objective players. A few of them are very, very good. You've got the SBC cards. Um, something you mentioned about slowing down the curve. Um, it's something I, I noticed in the better and something that I said very on. I think we're going to do in terms of, like I said, not leaning towards giving the meta cards and the kind of the go-to, you know, your Neymars, your Mbappes, your Ronaldo's, these team of the weeks every week and letting them separate so much from the normal cards. And from, even from my point of view, like I like to play competitive, I've not got an issue with that. I think that letting people use more variety of players is a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing because the, the meta players are always going to be there and they're always going to be better. But why not let people use the other cards in the game and bring them up to as close as they can get them to the, you know, the Ronaldo's, your Neymar's and, and your icons. I think that I think that's a good move for the for the, the market of their game and what they're appealing to and, and in terms of the pro scene and the, and the meta players. They're still there. They're still going to be have that edge, and obviously your top icons are always going to be clear to that. But I, it's a positive for me. It's one thing they've got right this year is the content, the graphics, and all that kind of stuff. You know that that side of the team, whoever's doing that, you know, clearly doing a very good job. Uh, Willow, have you got anything to add on to that? Willow, what have you made of these uh, promos so far? I, I'd second. I second what Sierra said. I, I think I think the content itself has actually been has been really good. Um, the only thing that disappoints me with it is it's crashing the market. So all your, you know, and this is not just the, the typical team of the year crash. It's things like I looked back, FIFA 19, CR7 at this time of year was 2.4 mil in FIFA 19. I know we had El Tornado cross and headers and everything else like that. So CR7 was, you know, top dog. But CR7 the other day dropped below a mil. Messi's 4.50. You know, Mbappe, you know, nearly 900, 900K, Neymar 700K. Without elevating, so for example, CR7 with the 93 rated card, I actually thought his 93 rated card would keep his 92 a little bit higher because people wouldn't be able to get his 93. But it's not. It's gone rear, the, the curve is strange. And I think that's the only thing that's keeping people away from using a consistent meta team of Neymar, Mbappe, Ronaldo, et cetera, is purely because the what if I open my rewards and there is the latest shiny card in it. And I think that is the only thing that's keeping people from using that consistently. However, it's massively draining the market. But the only people that are moaning it's draining the market the people who've got them cards or trying to trade them cards it's not hurting ea because it's actually taking coins out of the game i mean you're not wrong though i mean it's a case of possibly the like basically the supply is so big that these cards are a lot more attainable um but also is that people are getting to like a neymar and mbappe 
And there isn't very many players to upgrade from there, so they're kind of stalling at a certain team. And then, like I said, you've got the rest of these players who are still trying to build up to those players. And then they get there, and I think we're kind of meeting in the middle here and kind of having most people, I'm not saying a lot, most people have a Neymar and Mbappe, but we are kind of meeting in the middle here as far as uh, having the same team. Willow, what would you, how would you kind of change that, in your opinion? I think the only way to change it is you, you, I think you have to have a figurehead for every promo. And I think it might be a bit controversial, but I think you have to reduce the frequency of the big promo. So, for example, if it's almost as if you want to say, we had rule breakers, we had Mbappe, uh, rule breaker. I think the week after we then got CR7, or the week before we got CR7, something along those lines in terms of team of the week. But we haven't had a Neymar. So we haven't had someone who is aspirationally wanting to get that 92, 93 rated Neymar, but has to then settle for the for the current gold because that's all they can afford. And that hasn't inflated the cards. And the consistent promo, I think back-to-back promos, is probably hurting it in that respect. But again, the only people it's hurting are the people who are sitting on those cards or trying to trade those cards, not EA. Yeah. So it's never that's not going to change. It's definitely uh, from a business point, they're doing very well. Very fantastic well. as a business perspective. Harlan, what have you made of the the promo so far this year? Um, controversially, this is one where I'm going to say I feel sorry for the year. Um, you know, Sierra touched on it. I think I think the content's been great. I think the challenge a year has is that this is a game that has such a a diverse player base. So from the pro to the competitive player, like I'd probably class me in that bracket, to the casual and to the person that picks it up once in a while when they just want to play a different game. So from a content-wise and promotion-wise, it is really hard to satisfy such a diverse player base because you have the competitive slash pro players that want to see Hullet, R9, Icon SBCs, etc., to make them more accessible. Um, you know, it really is a, a tough job. But the one thing I'd say is, is that, yes, there's been a lot of controversy surrounding have killed rivals, because of the game limit. Um, obviously, you've then got um, weekend league, you're having to spread the two or you're having to make a choice. Um, but I think one thing that, that they have done really well is the objective players have been good. So therefore, if you whether, whether you want to or not, because it is a choice at the end of the day, you do have something to do. You see a lot of people, uh, and probably I'm one of them, that will go... I'm bored. I've picked up the game today. I've played one game of Rivals. I've put the game down. I don't know what else to do. Obviously, for someone like me, being honest, that's tough because touching on what you said, I'm that person that's at that stage where really the next, and I tweeted out earlier, what do I do next with my team? Because I'm at that stage now where really, if I'm honest, I'm an R9, a Hullet, or an 88 Vieira short of what you'd probably class as a pro team. But let's get that straight. That's 13 million coins <laughs> for two of those players. That's not something that's going to come overnight or without probably um, clearing my bank account. Um, so I am one of those players that's stuck. And I'm a great example of, of what Willow's touched on and what you guys have touched on about losing coins and a year winning. I tweeted out a few weeks ago saying, 
I really want to have fun on this game and use different players and different teams because I'll be honest, I'm bored of using CR7, Neymar, Mbappe, Gomez, Varane, Mendy. You know, the cards you guys or everyone will look at on a loading screen and go, oh my God, I'm either in for a game or same old back line. I changed team three times within two weeks. It cost us nearly a million coins to do that. I built a Liverpool team, which is the team I support. Sorry, I know you got the United top on, that's fair. Um, you know, I built a Liverpool team. I built a Premier League years team. So as in the likes of trying your Drogba's, your Beckham's, you know, your Henry's. Um, and then I built an all Premier League team as in current Premier League players. It cost me a million coins to do that. As in I lost a million coins within two weeks just buying and selling those players because the market is obviously so volatile. And like Willow said, you know, there's there's control in the market and the, the different promos kill everything and you've never got the latest card because there's always something else coming which devalues the card that you've got. Um, so I think it's, it's difficult for EA to balance the content and it's one thing that I do feel sorry for them for, but I agree, the graphics, the card designs are great. You just know a team of the year card design, headliners card design is going to come out in the next three weeks. Everybody's going to be drooling. Everybody's going to be saying, wow, that's amazing. Um, and that's what it's designed to do, let's face it. But at the same time, um, I don't think you can, you can give them too much of a hard time on the content because it has been decent. There is a lot to do for all player bases, but it is such a difficult job. I think I think basically you're, you're spot on there, one hundred percent. All of you guys, but then promo's been great. the The content's been good. It's just kind of possibly too much, all in one go. We're gonna we have a quick break now, and then we're gonna finish off the last little debate. Okay, and welcome back. So the last part here, we're gonna do a little debate. So this debate here basically is what we want to see, kind of what we hope happens for the rest of the cycle of FIFA. I know we kind of all had fairly the same opinion on the game so far um but as far as gameplay goes and also content wise what do you guys really want to see from the game for the rest of the year sierra we'll start with you here first kind of what do you hope the rest of fifa has in store um in terms of gameplay and and kind of my gripes with the game and things like that i i, I get that the the, the the obviously catering to the casual audience and the the, the mass market they've got and i don't think that's going to change until esports scene gets bigger, so you know, for my, for myself, his reasons and how I play it and how I want to play it, you know, I could say that I want him to nerf defending and I want him to do all these things to make the game have a massive skill gap, but I know that's not going to happen. So I, you know, it, it's just not currently until the esports scene grows and we get a separate mode. Which, like you said, I think until that separate mode comes, I think we're kind of stuck for this. But what I do want to see. And there's what you see in a lot of other games, a lot of other companies do. I want them to be much more reactive to, to issues and matters in the game. I'll just pull one. One example is the, I don't know if you've seen it, the chip up shot from the, the edge of the box, the box on either side where you just press a thumbstick in, do a lob shot and it goes in. It'll go in every time. If you're using a high-rated plate, it's going to go every time. Just, just that's to just, tell everybody about that. <laughs> that's just like, there's a lot of examples I can go through, but just... That's a standout one. That's been around now for a while, but on the on on the scene in terms of being shared on Twitter for for like two weeks, I'd say now. I'd just love them to be more reactive. When there's a problem, fix it. Bring a patch out within a few days. Just just fix it. You know, 
if, if they can't fix it, take it out. You know, just, just react faster and fix things faster rather than doing these patches that fixing things that we've not asked for, that, you know, things that they're thinking that we want. I just want them to be proactive on the game all year round rather than getting to the stage right now. And it's like, I think they're like, well, the game's coming to team of the year. It's it's where I think that's their end game cycle. I think that's where EA said, once we get to that stage, enough's enough, all hands on deck on a new game. I just love them to be a lot more proactive, you know, a lot more you know, reactive to, the, to what's going on in the game and fixing things and making the game enjoyable and glitch and meta-free. In terms of content, keep doing what they're doing. Again, I could selfishly, I'd love to be, I'd love to be more Ronaldo's, more Neymar's, more high-rated cards, Ronaldo SBCs, R9 SBCs, and all that. But again, I know that that's not going to happen, and I'm, I'm not, and I get that, and I, I do kind of, I've got to look at it from a casual point of view. The fact that they're making more cards usable is, it's a good thing really for the for the for the whole market of the game. So, just on more card, more cards usable though. For example, they've just released Beckham into the game. And Beckham, I think we can probably all agree, fun and a good good idea, but useless in the competitive element of the game. Yeah, I agree. But I would say that he is just that. I think they've released him for the mass market, for the fun side. And I've you we myself and how many other people we I, we bought his um icon card to try and trade on it. Probably should have spot to you before, and really, <laughs> but, but um, it was never going to end well. No, no, we had to sell it because they never changed the, the the price range, unfortunately. <laughs> but like I said, he was a fun card, and his free one is no different to the icon card. It's exactly the same. Um, it's a fun card. It, it at a high level, division one, high level, elite level, not good enough. Gets left behind. I know. I, I've used him quite a bit. I know I didn't really use him at the high end, but I know power the touch on it. You did, didn't you, Howland? Yeah, I did. I did use him. Um, yeah, luckily enough, I got up and lost just at the 50k hit. But yeah, he is, he, you know, and you do have to recognise that he is a fun card. I mean, me and Sierra spoke about when I was on stream. The ball went out to Beckham. I played this amazing beckham S cross, Ronaldo header in. You know, a Man United fan would appreciate the uh, the history in that. And, and there was a FIFA Whereas you moment. pretty much threw up as a Liverpool fan. <laughs> well, I was, I was using the cards, so I can't really say that. But it was honestly, you should have saw it. I mean, why we didn't clip it, I've no idea. But it was a Beckham pinpoint cross to Ronaldo, powered in. And it, a Man United fan would have absolutely loved it. And that's it is. That's what that card's for, isn't it? And that's why they've done it. Um, but it is, you know, top level, I agree, competitive level, it's gone. But again, it's this is very much looking through your own eyes, isn't it? I can easily sit here and look through an elite one player's eyes, but I've got to, I've got to look at it as a, if I was a, if my ability was, I finished 14 and 16 in weekend league, would I be thankful that EA for giving me a free 86 Beckham? Absolutely. I would. Yeah. Am I, am I thankful for having that card? Absolutely not. I'll keep it for, I love Beckham. Like I tweeted out at the time saying, I see this card, I think free kick last minute against Greece. You know, it, it has that nostalgia. But will I ever use it? Absolutely not, unless there's, uh, you know, some kind of objective that will compel us to use it and it'd be, it'd be useful. 
Absolutely. I think that's, that's, that's like you said, I think with content and what you want to see, you do have to take a bit of a step back, don't you? And kind of not look for your own eyes and look at it from EA's point of view and the mass audience's point of view. But do we, do we, do we think though, in terms of a mass market, do we think that this is going more realistic football game or simulator arcade game? It's hard to game as a whole. As the game as you know, in terms of gameplay, do we feel it's do we feel it's going sim or arcade? Because it's for me, it doesn't do one or the other very well. And I just sort of think if you was if you went full sim and you had all the AI assistance in, you could probably forgive it because at full sim the game would be slower, the controls would be better. The R1 dribbling, like Sierra was saying, probably quite OP with the high dribbling players. And, you know, the pacey players would probably, you know, the Adama Triore would probably still be ripping people to pieces with his 79 rated card on until the end of the game. But if it's arcade for the mass, you know, more the mass market, it's not really, to me, it doesn't feel arcadey. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely tough. Though. I know we had a question from Mark Foot Trade on Twitter, uh, I think it was yesterday, basically saying that would you rather have this current gameplay or go back to, say, like a, a FIFA 14 13 where kind of crossings are meta and heading stuff like that? I think it must have been, was it FIFA 19? Where the El Tornado and, you know, the back post header, stuff like that. It's kind of, it's tough for EA to have a balance, I think. And I think they are trying to get more to a realistic point where the game is kind of is basically replicating what we see in real life. But also, they do need to keep it essentially arcadey because no one wants to play real football on FIFA, at least in my opinion anyway. You don't want to play a nil-nil draw, playing it's playing it to Sam Allardyce, West Brom team, really. So it's tough. Um, Howland, what's kind of your take on this? Oh, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? But, I mean, would I want to go back to FIFA 19? Absolutely not. Um, that was a bit, <clears throat> a bit too much, you know. The back post headers, the El Tornado crosses, the three sixty no scope finesses, uh, which I'm sure everybody will, will thank us for. You know, stick Mares on the ball and just finesse it from thirty five yards, and it'll go in. You know, you, we certainly can't go back there. But do you know what? I would argue if you take the, if you take all of that out of FIFA nineteen, fundamentally, it was a better game than than the current game. Um, I've seen a lot of comparisons of people saying FIFA 20 was better than FIFA 21. And obviously there's a, there's a big debate about that and people will say there's no way. But actually, me and Sierra talk about this a lot. I think although FIFA 20, yep, you know, you had the near post meta and everything like that, you, you had to create openings and you had to work for your goals. I don't feel like you have that in FIFA 21. Um, you know, you can you can have your player who will set up in a 4-4-2 formation and press triangle once and be through one goal. Um, and and ultimately cost you a game as well. And I don't, you know, you see it on streams, you see it everywhere where people say there's just no skill in that. And really, theoretically, there's not because you're going to press two buttons. You're going to well, a few more buttons, but a directional, a triangle, a directional, and a shot, and you've scored. And I don't think you had that in FIFA 20. And you know, I was on stream um, towards the back end of last season and I actually played a draft in, in FIFA 19. We went back, we were playing a bit of nostalgia. We looked at my team because I had your Hullets, you know, the, the big God squad, if you like. Um, and I played a draft and actually the game felt 
better. Um, I, so, I, I would massively agree with that because it, they truly got skill chaining correct. Uh, yeah, okay, La Croqueta, the repetitive skill chaining was a bit of a nightmare. But if you didn't do those things like that, chance creation was you could actually create a chance with you know a knock down the line with a fast player would get you half a yard for a cross. Yeah. And it wouldn't be blocked. Yeah. Because they haven't got go-go gadget legs. Yeah. We, we spoke it, yeah. about this, didn't we? Like said how we spoke about, if you, if you look at FIFA, like just another FIFA 19, to FIFA 20, if you look at FIFA 20, if they would have took FIFA 20, nerf Naples shots, improve long-range shots, and, you know, maybe a couple of other things added heading, that would have then made the game less boring because obviously you, you, you couldn't drop back because there'd be long range shots. You know, that, that overall, if you look at FIFA 20, when you scored a goal, you you, you had a sense of satisfaction that you'd work the goal and achieve something because you brought your opponent down. Whereas in this FIFA, and you just don't have it, FIFA 19, I, I, I didn't play it that much. It was the year where I kind of stepped away until the back end when I started streaming, so I can't comment on that, but... This FIFA, when you score a goal, do you feel like you've achieved something? Do you feel like, yes, I deserve that. I've worked that very rarely. I feel relieved. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel feel happy and content. I feel relieved. Yeah, that's it. Like, you don't feel like you've just done something fantastic. You've brought your opponent down. You've done a a nice passing move. You know, you've worked things out. Like, I know you touched on it earlier, how there's too many broken matters that score goals from nothing, like for me. And that's where it takes the enjoyment away and the satisfaction of creating goals. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have found that I know the, the obviously it's saying about the thoroughball kind of meta. I think I watched a, a video on YouTube last week from the, I think it was the Italian Stallion, basically highlighting that if you've got an attacker and a defender, basically if you're the attacker and your attacker is in line with that centre-back and you hold the triangle button all the way down with full power, your attacker will get that ball 100% of the time if you just time it right. There is no way that defender can get it. And he's basically yeah. proven that when he was in control of his own defenders, there was no way he could stop that. And like Again, these metas are kind of broken, but it also comes to a point that if EA do fix each meta week on week, does that create a new game each week? Do you guys see that as a problem or not? Um, it, I guess it depends whether it creates other problems or not. I think if... I think the free ball issue is a, is a couple of different things. I think it's the fact that free balls are overpowered. And I think there's a massive issue which has been present since last year um, as well is when the ball's in the air, there's an issue with lock-ons. There's a big issue with lock-ons. So I think when, like, for example, if you do a double tap pass, it creates a similar issue, the similar mechanic. Like you can get the ball into your player in the box with a double tap pass because it goes in the air slightly as it does with a free ball. So I, I wonder whether what you're saying is right. There's, there's a greater problem here than just nerfing free balls. So if they did nerf free balls, would it create another problem? We, that, that's the issue, I think. And maybe that's why they've not done anything because may, maybe they can't because of the engine. It, it goes as far as the kick up at kick up at kickoffs. People running through juggling at kickoff. Your defenders yeah. can't physically lock on all the way through, and you pretty much you have to call for second defender 
unless you if you if you unless you've got someone like Pogba in the midfield who can literally just stand there and go, you're not going past. You are looking at a, like a you calling a second defender um, to be able to AI block that juggle all the way through. Yeah, I think definitely. I think like I said last year, well not last year, but FIFA 19. Obviously, you had the matter of that, so they didn't really change the alternate of the cross or like that. This year. Yeah. Again, I think we are getting to that point where everyone does know the meta again with the, the little flick up and the, the volley to the back post goes in, goes in nearly every time. Obviously, the flick ups and stuff like that. I know they've tried changing. I know at least from last year on the edge of the box, if you flicked it up and scooped it over your head, you, when you got the volley away, that happened a lot of the time. You can get a shot away. I know they've changed it a little bit this year, but I think it does get to a point that every single FIFA, there is a meta and basically allow that to continue throughout the rest of the year. And like I said, I know, like Sierra said, is that if they are more proactive, I think it would help. But also, does that give us issues in kind of other positions? Well, that is where the disengagement comes in, isn't it? I mean, you look at you look at other you know franchises like Fortnite, COD. You know, a gun becomes overpowered and they nerf it, and and they find ways around it, and it doesn't lose engagement from the game. There's engagement, like for example, COD. You know, the DMR at the moment's creating an absolute storm in Warzone. Um, but they will do something about it. And I think Sierra's right. You know, it's the lack. It's not just the lack of reactiveness for me. It's the transparency. You know, you never hear from a year. And I think one of the biggest worries for me, and, and me and Sierra touched on this earlier, and I said this to Sierra clearly, it worries me that they've done all this marketing around next gen, but yet we haven't had an up-to-date patch out for it yet. It really worries and concerns me that they released a game that was two or three patches behind. Okay, they've released a patch since, but it's still not up to the standard. And and surely they're they can see everything, yeah, with the analytics data and everything they have. So surely they can see. It must be worrying when you've got the whole. And I'm speaking. I'm sure I'm speaking for the majority of the player base who has a PS5 or or an up to date Xbox. Um, that they're playing the old gen. They don't want to play the new game because it, it really worries me that they haven't released a, an up-to-date patch, especially in time for the new year, new promos, you know, like you said, headliners, team of the year. Team of the year for me is one of the, other than Tots, is, is the biggest promo of the year. Everybody talks about team of the year. The market dies because of team of the year. Um, you know, and it, it's just so worrying that, they're not transparent about what's wrong, that they're not reactive to fix the issues. But yet you look around other gaming franchises and they are. And not only do they do that, they actually incentivize the users and the player base to keep playing, whether it's a free loot box or whatever it is, they'll, they'll reimburse them somehow. And, and it doesn't have to be huge. You know, it's not... Okay, everybody, you're all of a sudden going to have CR7 in your next, uh, you know, your next skip pack. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, I think you got that. Um, you know, it's it can be something small, but just something that, you know, um, just says, hands up, guys, you know, there's something wrong. We got it wrong. We fixed it. There we go. But it is worrying that next gen's still behind and, and they haven't updated it. It, it just is pretty worrying. And the worst part about that, if you want to EA help and ask the questions, the people who are trying to assist you in trying to resolve your issue will agree with you that there is an issue. 
you know, it, it goes as far as saying everyone at EA is probably locked down to say, you are not allowed to talk about anything about our game on any platform whatsoever, unless it is our formal press release, which is, this is our team of the week. This is our showdown card. This is our next promo. And it's it's quite boring because you get to six o'clock and you go, well, it's not there, so what's happening? Because they're never on time. They never drop it five minutes before to actually make you switch your console on at six. You know, and I think as a marketing campaign, in terms of business, it's a bad marketing campaign. But in terms of a business, it's not bad business. How would you say they improved that then as far as the 6pm content goes? Again, I know, I'm not sure we touched on this earlier as far as the, sometimes they do release too much content. Um, but again, for you, would you prefer there be at least something every single day? For me, no. No, I, I'd like something which is, you know, the longer grind, which is, you know, at the minute we've got icon swaps, but the community has agreed, golden goal. Um, and then EA have tried to block that. Um, within the community but you've got objective cards which I think is a great idea I mean I don't do any of the objective cards I'm not I I, I've, I think I said the other day I've come to the conclusion that me playing 20 games a weekend league a week and no rivals etc and all that side of it is probably not enough for me to be able to get back to the elite finishes of you know FIFA 20 FIFA 19 and 18 um, I stopped Willow, Go on. can I just interrupt sorry do you think there as well and I, and I think it's something you've touched on something really big there we could have a lot less content which would make the game better from in your opinion because they wouldn't need to resell any cards it'd, it'd make the market better if we had division rivals during the week some kind of tournament modes something for us to do which is playing the game during the week so we're not sat waiting for 6pm content what what do you know what i mean i think it's daily i think it's daily tournaments i think i think you can keep the the division rivals and foot champs works for the casuals like we've said before i think it is only targeted at the casuals but a daily tournament for people who want to actually do something with it i think is probably the way to go if you want to keep that competitiveness through the game in the week. My concern is the disparity between rivals gameplay and champs gameplay. That That's my biggest concern for the game is why is it so different? If rivals is pretty stable through the week, flip the servers over, put the champ servers on the, on the, the rival server and put the rivals on the champ server. It, you know, I I deal with the developments of Amazon web web based services. They are buying up web based server. Um, Amazon are buying up places everywhere, so they can put servers wherever they want. It's simply it's control. It is. Do you think control? It, do you think it is just the servers though? Because I think this year it's felt a lot better. Do you not think that maybe it's? I I think yeah can can change. Just like when you go on the start menu in the single player and you can change all the sliders for AI, shooting, all these different things. I think EA have sliders for each game mode. So I think the reason why Rivals, Draft, Foot Chance feel so different is because 
every mode has got a different setting for the sliders. So foot champs, I think all the assistants, all the RNG, all the everything they can do is basically like max to to assist people in weekend league. And I think that heavily influences why the game feels so different and, and it can feel like lag. And that's one of the things that I've been thinking about testing myself is relegating myself in division rivals and then playing weekend league. Yeah. For the matchmaking, see if it's going to work. For the matchmaking and see how it goes. Because rivals, I think, is a pretty good balance. You can play your game of rivals and you can win one, lose one, draw one, like we all sort of seem to know is, is the sort of matchmaking uh, within it. But weekend league just feels different. And I think if we if that's where we're going, I might just, like I say, just relegate myself down to Division 10 and just have a go at weekend league at that and just see what assistance there is, if there is any assistance. What division are you in, out of interest? Um, I'm literally about 50 points off one. So in, in your games, and I'll, I'm going to let Howland go into this, because I think he knows exactly what I'm going to say, right? Do you ever see disparity between playing people at a similar skill rating or maybe a couple hundred to to a thousand points below you? And how do you want to just, I'll let you, I know, I know you, you were very um, big on this, so I'll let you kind of tell them about it and then let's see if we'll experience it as well because it'd be interesting to see at the different levels whether you do get it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think what Sierra is referring to is my experience in Rivals this week. Um so obviously I've I played um <clears throat> seven games of right Gem- generally it'll take us about eleven games of rivals out of the thirty to secure rank one. Um I played seven games of rivals this this week gone. Um so I'm I hover anywhere around um twenty-three fifty to twenty-two fifty skill rating, somewhere along those lines. Um and the first seven were all kind of 2150 skill rating and above the next three were all 1900 to 1950 and i got two losses and a draw um and i do have this theory that they are starting to you know sierra's referencing to the sliders there i think they are starting to put a slider in place that reads the skill rating of you and the skill rating of your opponent and almost at like a weekend league buffer. But could that be down to the fact that there's less people playing at that level? Could be. So matchmaking for, you know, direct matchmaking for people within 20, 30 skill rating just becomes more difficult. Yeah. Just, I, th- I think just going back to the question that Sierra asked there though, I suppose, obviously this is how we're experiencing division one. I suppose it would be interesting to see, like you said, you're 50 points off, off division one in division two. So if you play somebody at the lower end of division two, are you seeing that? I've played lower end of division two, and I've also played someone who should, you should technically be in division one. Cause yeah. I, I, does it feel off. any different? Do you feel oh. like the lower end gets helped and you struggle more than you do at the higher end, which we, that's something that we see a lot. If I play someone at, 2,100, I'm at like 2,200 now. If I play someone at generally 2,100 above, it feels very fair, very even. But nine times out of 10, when I play someone at 900 skill rating around there, I feel like it, it, I, so many things are out of my control. Do you mean, like weekly. Do you mean the heavier movement 
the everything the passes just seem to move differently. Yeah, the ball everything. seems to be in the air a lot more when you do a pass. And players moving out of position and players like, moving out of position. Yeah. I think the worst. I think the worst one is your like your centre back moving close towards your CDM and yeah. then moving back into position, but they start their run just as the attackers start in their run. So, so they get the opening. They get the opening. <laughs> Yeah. So, do you experience yeah. that as well? Yeah. Like when you, yeah. So it is. It does sound like there is there is something in there at every single level of rivals to reduce that that gap. It would, be, yeah, it would basically it would make sense as well. I mean, I think the the whole kind of DDA and script and stuff like that kind of it is it is a tough argument. I think because the main thing is that people try and have evidence, and I think there is obviously evidence there, and it does make it would make a lot of sense to kind of. Say if you are at say nineteen hundred and you're playing a guy who's at say two thousand two hundred, you should you shouldn't be winning that game really. But there is incentive to kind of make that game closer. So then you think that okay, well if that guy is that good, then maybe I can maybe get there. And like I said, I've had the issue as well as I think in the past week where I'm currently in Division One right now. Is that I played a guy who was at I think I'm at about nineteen fifty skill rating. I played a guy who was about seventeen fifty, and yeah. he he like, he was he seemed a lot better than me in the game. And again, yeah. I think the skill rating is a good determination of how good you are. I think sometimes in rivals, you can move up and down. Maybe you might be placing division too high for yourself, but it, it does genuinely kind of even out at some I think, point. I think the bigger, just to touch on that though, the bigger issue is the losing engagement through that. So for example, Argon work me arse off and play rivals, win games, but I'm earning plus five, plus six skill rating for winning that game. But then I lose to that one nineteen fifty or that one nineteen twenty, and I lose 25 skill rating. So literally for every six, seven games that I win, it only takes us to lose one to wipe out all my hard work of those six, seven games. So for example, I've played rivals. I've played three games the last two days. The last few seasons, that would never have happened. I'd have been playing probably 10 plus games every night. Whereas See, now I've just got no incentive to keep playing. If they want to do that, there's... if they want to do that and they want to have kind of like you said, they do want to reduce the skill gap. And what's the point of a skill rating? Agreed. And I think an easier way and a more transparent way of buffering, if we let's call it buffering, not anything else. I think the easiest way to do it, why not just add, um, why not just add, or a method of being able to reduce the stats of that player or, you know, reduce the stats within a team. So, for example, if you've got Mbappe with 99 finishing because he's got a chem style on, why not bring him back down five points so it has an impact on his, you know, on, on his finishing, his attack position and things like that. Why not just leave it down to you're allowing the player to play the game how they want to play it but the card is just a little bit, you know, nerfed a little bit. We've said nerfed in the past. Why not just nerf the card a little bit rather than adding all of these engines that override what you're trying to do? Because that's more frustrating. I, I honestly think they should get rid of chem styles altogether. I think the fact that you can make a certain player feel like a completely different player with a chem style shouldn't be possible. It basically means that you haven't got to try out different players. Example, yeah. if you've got, say, a defender with 
80 pace, 8 defending, and you've got defender with, say, 75 pace and maybe more defending, again, you can turn that guy with maybe better pace but less defend. You can turn him into a better player through a chem style. And that's why we're seeing the same players over and over again. It doesn't matter if there's maybe a better player. You can turn basically whatever, maybe not like a, a guy with like below 80 pace or anything, but you can turn a lot of these players into anything you want, really. And it does kind of, basically, it means you haven't got to try different players out as well. But applying a, applying a shadow to Varane doesn't, hinder, doesn't, doesn't do anything other than you can still catch Mbappe. When Mbappe is clear through on goal, you can bet your bottom dollar Varane's going to come back through looking like he's, you know, Usain Bolt. Yeah, I just think there should be kind of, each player should again, should feel different in-game. They, they shouldn't be a way for you to make, be able to boost everyone's stats up to 99, This especially this early within the game as well, I think. I think if they were just more open with it, I definitely feel as though chem styles have become more powerful. I know from previous years, I've always been skeptical skeptical of whether they've kind of really been there or not. But I know especially this year, as far as a shadow card, Hunter, we are seeing, I think every, at least for me personally, every one of my defenders are the shadow one. Most games in the weekend league, I think we'll see that every defensive player's got a shadow. Maybe not every attacker player of the Hunter, but you get what I'm saying out here, really, don't you? It's, it's, it, I don't think a, it should be in the game. Put a dead eye on Usman Dembele, and all of a sudden, he he's a Neymar. And I think that's the difficulty, isn't it? You've got someone whose base card doesn't allow them to pick out that pinpoint pass from left wing, yet put a, you know, put a dead eye on him, and all of a sudden, he's... He turns into David Beckham with crosses, yet Neymar's skill and movement. You know, like you said, CR7 should not be able to move around the field with a stocky body type, like is someone, you know, obviously of a completely different body type. It shouldn't influence that to that level. Yeah, no, exactly. But again, guys, we're going to start to wrap it up there. Uh, again, we'll go through kind of each guest here and where you can catch them. Again, Howell in the North, how often do you stream? Um, so being honest, I've been quite inconsistent late of late. Um, I'd say more so with FIFA 21, but I think that's just, just due to more engagement with the game, adapting in general. Um, I'd say once COVID gets out of the way and I get back to a steady work, it's usually um, minimum four or five times a week. Sounds good. And also, you're are you fairly active on Twitter as well? Yeah, I'm really active on socials, Instagram, Twitter, um, less so on Facebook. Um, but yeah, mainly Twitter, Instagram twitch yeah sounds good and willow uh i know kind of the streams are at a uh, standstill right now but obviously i know you're fairly active over on twitter as well aren't you yeah twitter's twitter's the way to go um like i say always try and impart a bit of knowledge and and things if i'm sort of looking at anything trading wise um obviously there's a lot of traders out there already but the you know the consistent methods and things that's really where i sort of sit um and hopefully we'll be back to uh, at least sort of one or two streams a week going forward. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. And uh, finally, Sierra, what's your uh, what's your stream situation right now? Uh, very similar to Howling. I, like, like last year, I streamed a lot and I got really heavily on YouTube, did a lot of tutorial videos, a lot of training videos, which I absolutely love doing. Uh, kind of my lack of love for the game this year. And uh, moving out, some people things have meant I've not streamed as much. Uh, but it, I am looking to start streaming regularly again on YouTube as well. Uh, I'm waiting for a second line to put in because where I live, it's like living in the old times. I've got like 
old BT line. It's twenty like thirty five megs. So when I'm streaming, I'm getting like two par games, so it's just kind of not working. So once that line's put in, I'll be back to regular streams. And I, I like that the guys, I'm, I'm active on on um, Twitter uh, every single day about the game. It's the, the, the main place to find me and kind of what's going on in my head with the game. That sounds good. Again, thanks very much, guys, for coming on. Uh, appreciate coming on, and I'll hopefully have you back at some point in the near future. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care.